The Education Apple, Episode 9, recorded on January 3rd, 2013. Welcome to the Education Apple. This is Bill Brazil, your host for the evening, and this is the show that discusses Apple technology in the formal classroom as well as in the classroom of our daily lives. And tonight we have with us um, our usual crew. Barrett Mossbacker is with us uh, from Briarwood Christian School. He's the superintendent there. How are you tonight, Barrett? Bill, I'm doing great and good to be with you again in the new year. Great. Well, welcome back. We're glad to have you. And Rick Stores, who is the uh, founder and lead trainer uh, of the Mac Instructor, is back again. Uh, Rick, you doing okay tonight? I'm doing great. Thanks. Excited to be here. Good. Glad to have you. Well, um, of course, we've uh, had Christmas and the new year, and a lot of things have happened. transpired in the last couple of weeks, I think, but uh, I thought it'd be kind of fun to uh, review kind of what happened in the mobile technology world over the last couple of weeks, and uh, Christmas 2012 proved to be um, huge for mobile technology, iPhones, iPads, as well as uh, Galaxies and Kindle Fires and the like, so um, I found some statistics uh, out that were a good indication of kind of what happened around a lot of Christmas trees uh, over Christmas. And um, there's a company that is able to gather a lot of these statistics pretty uh, accurately because they uh, have uh, analytics built into a lot of these phones, a lot of the um, uh, applications that run on it. And so they're able to gather a lot of uh, pretty accurate statistics. The company is called Flurry. I really hadn't heard about them before, but uh, Flurry Analytics is something that's built into a lot of the uh, the uh, mobile technology these days, and they're able to um, detect over 90% of all of the new iOS and Android devices when they're activated. So they're able to get a pretty good read on. Uh, the numbers uh, of new devices and number of applications. So I thought it was pretty interesting what they were able to uh, to gather over Christmas. And they really, uh, of course, they monitor this stuff all the time, but uh, I think they looked pretty closely at December as a whole uh, leading up to Christmas, and then they gathered stats on Christmas Day as well as the week after Christmas. And uh, it's pretty interesting, the numbers that they gathered. So um on uh the the couple of weeks leading up to christmas from december the 1st through the 20th they uh recognize 4 million uh activations per day uh and then on december 25th on christmas day that number jumped up to 17.4 million so that was a <laughs> that was a 332% increase over the uh <laughs> the days leading up to christmas which uh, that's pretty amazing, and I think that <clears throat> that blew away uh, last year's Christmas Day activation record, which was at 6.8 million devices activated. So, wow, you know, from 6.8 to 17.4, um, that gives us a pretty good idea of uh, how these devices are really uh, spreading throughout the country and the world. So, uh, I thought that was uh, kind of eye-opening in and of itself. And then 
<coughs> the um, the application downloads, they also are able to track that. And on uh, Christmas Day, they had uh, they were able to recognize 328 million app downloads. So there was a lot of activity going on uh, on all those devices. I guess as soon as those kids and adults ripped them open, they started using them right away and uh, loading them up with new apps. So um, that was uh, about a 112% increase over the days leading up to uh, to Christmas. Uh, so there's a lot of a lot of um, uh, activity going on around the uh, the mobile technology during during the month of December. And uh, hey, Bill, uh, yeah. did you happen to see uh, any statistics regarding the relative numbers uh, from Apple versus the Android devices by any chance? No, I didn't see that broken down. Um, I'm, I imagine that's out there somewhere, but I didn't. I did not see that. I would guess. I don't know. What would y'all think? Maybe it was, it's about 50-50. Um, oh, I, I would think, given just that they're – I think if I'm correct on this, that because they have so many devices out with different manufacturers that Android might actually have the bigger total numbers. Uh, yeah. Do you think that would be right? Yeah. I, as for me, like I know I'm, I'm pretty anecdotal because most of my clients are Apple users, and you know only a few of them are even – uh, considering Android tablets, so uh, you know I'm I'm probably not the best person to ask, and uh, I usually try to dissuade them from using uh, <laughs> anything else but Apple. Um, yeah, selfishly, but you know I I feel like I've got I don't blame some good there. reasons for that. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But you know it, it, it's still good that there's a there's a lot of competition out there for Apple. Absolutely. So, um, yeah. That yeah. doesn't do anything but but help our cause. So, mm-hmm. um, and then. Uh, uh, let's see. I did see where uh, there was a breakdown between the number of smartphones and tablets that were were sold during that period. Um, again, it's just uh, the total of Android and uh, Apple devices. But from December the first through the twentieth, there was an average of about eighty percent of the devices sold were smartphones, and twenty percent were tablets. But then on uh, Christmas Day. That pretty much broke down 50-50. I think the the phones actually were 49% and the tablets were about 51%. So there were a lot of uh, iPads, iPad minis, and and uh, other tablet devices received on Christmas Day. But um, I think that just uh, shows us where things are heading and uh, you know what we've got to to look forward to here in the future. But um, I tell you, Bill, I, we probably don't have the number handy, but <clears throat> I'd be curious in light of our last podcast how the uh, Microsoft Surface RT did. Uh, yeah, I just uh, – <laughs> I wouldn't uh, think that number was very high, but um, – uh, like I said last time, you know, I asked in uh, the AT&T store if they had been moving many of the uh, the, the Windows phones, and the guy told me just just a couple. <laughs> so well, and it's only not not to get us away from the Apple side, but I actually saw a a, a blog post about a week ago. And, of course, it, I don't know how objective this was, but they had a photo of shoppers – this right the week before Christmas, actually uh, – of an Apple store with all the shoppers, and they had a, a picture of the Microsoft store, and I think both of them were in the same city in, in California. And there may have been two or three customers in the Microsoft 
door, uh, and it was, as you would expect, completely packed out in the Apple store. So that may be anecdotal uh, reflection of what's going on as well. Yeah, I'd... I wouldn't be surprised. I, I just have not heard much at all on the Windows front there. And I imagine when they get their uh, the full um, OS deployed, they're going to be hitting the businesses pretty hard with all that on the, the tablets. And, uh, you know, we might start seeing some traction there. But I think in the consumer side, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, defections from Windows going towards Apple, and uh, I don't think there's much going in the opposite direction right now. So um, I think I think Windows, uh, you know, hope is that the businesses really jump on board and and start making use of the, the tablets there. But um, that would be my my guess at this point, anyway. So um, moving to another item that i noticed and y'all y'all probably i wouldn't be surprised if you saw this as well but there was a uh another bug that cropped up as a result of changing over to the new year i don't know um if y'all use the do not disturb feature on your iphone or ipad oh yeah Uh, but uh apparently (laughs) there was some code in that that got uh affected by the changeover in the new year uh and what happened, what I noticed was that um, the, the do not disturb did not turn off. Like I have mine set from about 10.30 in the evening to about 6.30 in the morning. And uh, it just never did turn off in the morning. So it was uh, still on mid-morning when I noticed it. And um, the note that I saw was that they didn't, Apple didn't really have a fix for it, but it was going to fix itself by January 7th. But um, I noticed today that uh, I I had to go in and manually uh, turn off the the do not disturb feature. And, uh, you know, there's there's two places you can you can manually turn it on at any time in your settings. uh, But you can also set it up in notifications to turn on and off automatically. And uh, what was happening was that off automatic off was not uh, kicking in so the do not disturb was staying on but when I went in and and turned it off uh, yesterday I kind of expected to have to do that again today but um, it turned itself off so uh, I don't know exactly why that was but um, that was the note that I saw out on the internet was that it would turn itself off or fix itself by January 7th. So did y'all notice that, or do y'all use that feature on y'all's phones? Yeah, I, I use it every day, and I noticed it uh, yesterday, I believe it was, uh, or so, uh, because it seemed like such a quiet day. <clears throat> Couldn't figure out why no one was calling me. <laughs> exactly. All of a sudden, I realized my Do Not Disturb was still on. So. Right, right. Yeah, same thing for me. Same thing happened. Did, did y'all have to turn it off manually today, or did uh, did it work by itself today? No, I had to turn mine off again. Did you really? Okay. Well, yeah, I me know, too. I don't know why mine uh, took care of itself today, but um, anyway, the the bottom line is it's supposed to resolve itself by January 7th. So whatever code they have in there that's being affected by the, the new uh, year is going to be resolved. Maybe it's just after the first uh, week of the year. <laughs> I don't know. But uh, it, that's, that's what I saw on that. Um, 
Okay, uh, that was pretty much it uh, as far as the weekend review. Of course, uh, over the holidays, there was uh, a lot of activity around uh, new devices, but I think um, news-wise, things were off a little bit, so um didn't have a whole lot more to discuss uh, regarding that, but I'm sure things will be picking up here as the new year kicks in full speed. Um, but moving on to our, our main segments, uh, I think, Barrett, I'm going to throw it over to you. I think you've got some thoughts on uh, using Evernote, and you may have spent some of the holidays setting up your new uh, new project management uh, methodology on Evernote. That's kind of what it sounded like anyway, so I'd be curious to hear what you got to share on that. Well, certainly, uh, yes. I, I have been a, I've been using Evernote probably for about two years, but never was quite able to figure out how to efficiently and effectively use it for project management. But I think I actually, in fact, I'm quite convinced I have it figured out, at least for my purposes, uh, and it is working amazingly well. Uh, obviously, on a podcast, it would be difficult to explain the whole process, but my hope is that both as a school leader as well as, as we train our teachers and students to use this process, that they'll find it to be very effective not only in managing just the sheer volume of information and documents, but staying on top of various tasks that you have to do, your to-do list, as well as projects uh, and items that you have delegated to other people. Uh, the gist of it is is using the tag system effectively and their uh, sophisticated saving search features. So essentially, if I have an email that I have sent to someone or that comes to me and I need someone to respond to it, I'm going to be waiting for it. I'll tag it with a waiting tag, for example, uh, and perhaps a name, and I may add a project name to it. And then I have created some searches that I have saved so I can click on an individual's name if I'm meeting with that individual and immediately will show all the to-do items that I have assigned to that person or things I want them to do. I can click on my to-do list, <clears throat> and I actually have multiple to-do lists based upon a given project. So if I have six projects, I may have two to-do lists. But what I don't have to do is go to each list to figure out what's going on. I can do that on an individual project basis, but I also have a master to-do list. And so what happens is I created one with a more generic search parameters and a wildcard in it. So if I want to see all the to-dos related to all of my projects, I click on that one. If I want to see to-do items related to a particular project, I click on that save search. If I want to see items related to a particular individual for whatever reason I've saved it to them for, I can do that. And so essentially I tag every email I'm sending or receiving that I want to keep up with in one way or another, and I blind copy my Evernote uh, system with it. So within the same email, I tag it, and I blind copy and send it so it ends up in the right notebook with the right tags in my Evernote with one click. And so I do it seamlessly. The other interesting thing is there's a beta product called uh, Zen do or do Zen. Uh, let me check it here in a second. No, Zen done. Zen done. And it uses the getting things done methodology, but essentially it integrates tightly with uh, Evernote. So I can go into that uh, program and I can uh, schedule things on my calendar through it, through my Evernote notes. I can create recurring uh, reminders or recurring projects. Uh, I can create a new item. Uh, I can process my Evernote inbox. 
or vice versa, and they both sync together continuously. So whatever I've done on Zen Done is showing up in Evernote. Whatever I do in Evernote is going to show up in Zen Done. And uh, <clears throat> so the two things work very well together, and of course, both are completely and always available to me on all of my devices. So I'm migrating, you know, and if I have items in Google Docs that I want to refer to for a particular project, I just create the hyperlink to it within Evernote, and I immediately have it available. So I have found it to be immensely effective, very simple to use, and the key for me was learning how to use the tags effectively within the context of my emails, but probably as importantly was learning how to do sophisticated searches and then saving those searches so with one click I have access to the information that I need. Right. Yeah, I know that uh, saving feature is important for for the searches, and that's very helpful. Um, How many tags do you have? Are you um, trying to limit the number of your tags, or what's your philosophy with those? No, actually what I'm trying to do is is to limit the number of notebooks that I have, but use tags very liberally. Okay, so you you don't mind creating a ton of different tags. No. Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. That way I can use them for, you know, whatever purpose I want and in any combinations that I want. So they're never in my way. They're available if and when I want them, but I don't have to have as many notebooks because with the search feature, I can find everything related to particular tag or combination of tags. So it makes it very quick, particularly with a safe search. I'll, I'll give you a simple illustration of how I'm using this now <clears throat> and, and as I've tried to really become Absolutely paperless. Um, I obviously have to collect receipts, turn those in for my expense report. So what I'll do is if it's a website or I get it by email, I just forward it onto my uh, Evernote notebook under receipts and tag it for two, uh, for 2013 now. Receipt and may put a name on it like iTunes or an app or whatever it may be. And I've shared that. And then if, if I go to the gas station and I get a receipt, I'll, I, Evernote has a, a document um uh, capturing feature where it's like the camera, but it's specifically designed to capture a document. Uh, I use that. It saves it into Evernote. And then I have saved that notebook uh, to and shared it with the business office. So our CFO, when she's ready to go through the credit card receipts and verify my expense report, she clicks on my Evernote link, and she has a copy of all of my receipts. I don't have to send them to her. I don't have to keep them. She always has them. She can print them if she needs it, but it's always there as a record for backup. Right. How how are you using uh, how do you tag in your uh, emails when you say you're blind copying Evernote uh, but you're including tags how are you doing the tag part of that Yeah, what you do is uh, you can do two things in your subject line. You can put the at sign and then the name of the notebook that you want it to go to, uh, and then to tag it, you simply put the hash mark and the name of the tag or tags that you want it to be tagged with, and then blind copy. Uh, the email, and then it goes out uh, to the person that you sent it to, uh, but it's also sent to Evernote, uh, and it automatically tags it and puts it where you want it based upon that. Okay, so so the uh, the person that's receiving it would actually see the notebook and tag information. Yeah, but they wouldn't know what it was. In yeah. other words, they might see a hash mark with a word, like they might see uh, well, hash mark receipt or hash mark waiting. So, yes, that will be in the subject line. Right. They They can see that. But they can't get to anything through that. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, that sounds uh, sounds pretty good and seamless. What um, have you have you noticed uh, the the pin system that they have now? Um, I forget exactly what the name of that is. Livescribe. 
Yeah, the LiveScribe pin, and now they've got a uh, model that's that's Wi-Fi wireless. And um, I was wondering if you had uh, given that any consideration. Yes, uh, I've looked at it online quite a bit, and I was in the Apple Store today, uh, and I looked at it again. Uh, I'm hesitating a little bit, <clears throat> and here's part of the reason why. I'm trying to use the iPad just to go ahead and type and or use my stylus to take the notes rather than going back to a some kind of a paper that then wirelessly gets transferred back uh, to Evernote. So to the extent that I can become uh, faster and more efficient using the stylus with a notebook product uh, or uh, just typing on the um, iPad, I downloaded something called, I think it's called Tap Typing, uh, to train myself to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Then I'll just take my notes in Evernote uh, primarily and just save that extra step of the paper, the pen, and the Wi-Fi transfer. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of uh, wondering if the, that system, the Wi-Fi transfer, is really more cumbersome than it's worth. Um, I've actually I put a request in to see if they might send one for uh, for us to review and comment on uh, mm-hmm. over this podcast. I'd like to do that, but I'm still kind of wondering, uh, you know, if it's really worth it or not, um, because it does look like you still have to jump through a number of uh, steps to to make that work, and I'm not sure how seamless that is yet. But right. Well, yeah. and I will say the other thing too, Bill, is I actually sent an email out to Evernote. And ask their business. They've got a new business division now where they have a form of Evernote designed for the enterprise. And I've asked them to contact me early next week to talk to me about what that looks like, how that functions, uh, because I could see a much broader deployment. Because what you could do at that point is you don't have to have a new account, but you can keep separate your business and your personal Evernote notebooks. Right. Uh, and so you can deploy some things at the enterprise level while keeping your own the same and private. And so I'm going to see exactly what's entailed with that. And then there's one other great product that, that works hand-in-hand with Evernote, particularly on an iOS device. And it's called Everclip. It's one word, Everclip. The beauty of that program is you activate it and it runs in the background. And then if you copy a selection of text on your iPhone or your iPad or the whole, or if you want to capture the whole thing, you simply select it or say copy and it sends it to Everclip. And then Everclip, you go back to your Everclip app and once you've collected them, you say send all these to Evernote and you can tag them right there. That works a lot better than the effort at having an extension on the mobile version of Safari, which is works but not really well. So this allows you to do all of your web clippings uh, with your iOS devices very easily and very effectively. Right, and and with that Everclip, uh, you can copy a number of things before you you actually send it over, can't you? Oh or, yes, you make a whole list of them. Yes. Yeah, so it's not just a one. One copy and send it over. You can copy a number of things and send. Yes. But it does time out after. Do you know how long it times out? How long it is before it times out? I've, n- I've not timed it. Uh, <clears throat> but I think, I-, I don't know, Bill. I've not timed it. That's a good question. Yeah. I think those kind of apps usually go for about five minutes or so. Okay. Yeah, I have not used it, but I did see where that was uh, one of the things somebody had commented on that um, it, it, you know, tended to time out and and they'd have to restart it to keep going, but I guess it times out after five minutes of maybe inactivity of um, using mm-hmm. it. So, um, yeah, well, it's what, probably a good idea. Otherwise, it'd be running and running down your battery when you'd forgotten you had it running. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sure there's a there's some internal reasons that needs to close down like it does. But um, another um, 
just to kind of add to what you were talking about, I think you had mentioned it, um, the camera and and kind of scanning, using the camera to scan documents. One thing that I'm uh, trying out with Evernote is, um, and I think this is probably the application you're talking about, it's called Cam Scanner Plus. And I've started um, trialing just, you know, making my own notes just like I would on a just a notepad with my pen and uh, paper. And then when I'm done with that, then I'll take a quick uh, uh, scan with my cam scanner application and then move it right over into Evernote. Um, and well, actually Bill, actually, Bill, what I'm referring to is <clears throat> on the iOS version, the iPhone version, for example, uh-huh. uh, there's actually a series of three icons at the top of the major folder uh, title areas and and one is to add a note one is the camera and one is actually like a document scanner all three of those are built right into the evernote app itself so i don't have to go to a separate application to do this i keep it all within evernote oh okay so you're just using the camera that's built into uh evernote okay well yeah they have two versions so they have a camera camera where it takes more like a jpeg type image uh-huh. but they actually have something more akin to what you're referring to uh, a document scanner uh, and it shows up at the top part uh, of the Evernote uh, app for iPhone. And you click on that, and it has margins built in for taking a picture of a document. And it works a little differently than the actual camera does. I see. Okay. Yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Uh, I'll have to give that a try. Um, <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only one who's trying to follow along on, on Evernote <laughs> for their phone. Yeah. Well, there's so many different ways to do it, you know. And, and I started using this little... Uh, cam scanner plus uh application and it does a great job of um not only just taking the picture and being able to uh crop it uh exactly the way you want it but also it will lighten it up and it will actually mm-hmm. do some processing uh to make those uh the words stand out uh, that much better and then it's got uh the function built right in to send it straight over to evernote mm-hmm. so um I'll have to try the other out, but either way, um, you know, it's it's a pretty effective way to get uh, handwritten notes and other types of receipts and and documents straight into uh, into Evernote pretty easily. So, um, yeah, there's one more thing real quickly that I'm using in conjunction somewhat with it, and it's called I think it's called If That Then This or If This Then That. Yeah. I F T T T. It's a linking service where you can link your Evernote account with various other. F- uh, 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 f- uh, services or applications. So, for example, if I post a new blog on my uh, a new article on my blog, I've got it set up so instantaneously with no intervention on my part, it sends a copy of the blog article into my Evernote account for me, and so I I'm automatically have it archived that way. So that is a very uh, cool feature and very easy to use. Yeah, that's a, a neat uh, little product tool that's out there and available for anybody. I think they call their uh little recipe their programs recipes so you've mm-hmm. got uh you've got a number of different recipes already uh built for you out there that uh you can use as well as um add to or build your own so yeah that's a neat little service so well that sounds good Barrett um be uh interested to see how that works for you um moving forward and if there is something that uh Evernote will uh, make available uh, from a, a uh, institution standpoint that uh, will also make it a little more beneficial. So maybe next time you can uh, give us a little update if you've had a chance to talk to Evernote on, about that. I'll be glad to. Good. 
All right. Well, moving on, I was going to um, <clears throat> talk a little bit more about the uh, the Open DNS. We had mentioned it last uh, show, and this is related to security and uh, specifically iPhones and iPads. And uh, it's probably a good subject to get a little more information on, given that so many uh, mobile devices were received over the holidays. But you know, the security on these devices um, is beginning to be it always has been but i think it's uh important and the uh, visibility of that importance is is kind of uh raising rising a little bit um and there are there's not there has not been a whole lot available uh, on these platforms up until now and uh, we did talk a little bit about what uh, barrett has done uh with the school and trying to get uh uh, the iPads locked down and, and secured, and that was one um, method. Uh, what was the name of that tool again, Barrett? I, I don't recall off the top of my head. Uh, Triton Mobile Security. Yeah, Triton Mobile Security. So that was one approach. And then um, we mentioned this Open DNS, and uh, they've been around a good while. They provide um, a secure DNS uh, service, but they just came out in November with a new service called Umbrella, and it's more along the lines of uh, what we're talking about as far as trying to to lock down devices, make them more secure, as well as um, doing some internet filtering and uh, even fish filtering. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, but. Um, I did a little more research uh, on OpenDNS and kind of what this Umbrella product is about, but just some background on OpenDNS to give them a little uh, credibility if you haven't heard about them before. Uh, more than 50 million people use that service today, so that's uh, almost 2% of the world's Internet uh, users. Uh, 2% doesn't sound like a lot maybe, but 50 million people does. Uh, so a lot of people um, are using this service today, and um, they are uh, a, a very large uh, organization in that they've got 12 global data centers located uh, strategically all around uh, the world in the, in the important Internet intersections of the world. So um, they provide a, a pretty robust service. They've got the largest DNS caches in the industry, which that just means that the uh, their domain name servers handle the uh, largest uh, number, their, their tables, their DNS tables are larger than any others in the industry, and um, that enables them, uh, those two things, the 12 global data centers and the large DNS caches, enables them to uh, respond faster than anyone else from a, a DNS uh resolution standpoint so if you don't know how uh, the internet works it's it's just kind of like a, uh, an addressing system where when you put your uh, address in a web browser you may put in google.com but the internet doesn't really know what google.com is they have to the that google.com name or domain name has to be uh, translated into an IP address or just into numbers, a series of numbers. And that's what the DNS service does is it matches up the uh, domain name with the actual uh, address of the box, that numerical uh, IP address. 
So um, that's that's really all that the DNS is doing, but that's an important feature because if that doesn't work, then you're not going to get anywhere in your web browsing or any other accessing of Internet sites. So it's, a, it's an important uh, function, and OpenDNS has been providing that for, for a good while. Um, but in addition to just the name resolution, they also uh, are able to... Um, help out with uh, blocking phishing websites. And phishing websites are kind of bogus websites that are trying to capture information, uh, identity information, logon information, uh, any type of sensitive information that you have about you. Uh, those phishing websites are trying to capture that and, and, and get that from you. So uh, OpenDNS also purchased... Uh, a company called Fish Tank, which is the largest internet clearinghouse of data about phishing scams, and they are able to incorporate that into their system to basically block these type of websites. So that provides you an additional layer of security that you cannot get to these bogus websites that are trying to, um, you know, capture sensitive information from you. So that's that's definitely of value as well. Um, so the basic OpenDNS service um, is is a good thing just to kind of incorporate into your um, your own uh, web browsing, your own servers or, or uh, laptops, whatever at home. Um, and they've got uh, several different versions, but it's pretty much free. I mean, they do have a uh, what they call OpenDNS Home VIP service, which it's kind of a premium service. I think you get some premium support with that. I'm not sure what additional bells and whistles you get for for that, but it's a 19.95 uh, a year, $19.95 a year uh, product that uh, you you can purchase. But just their basic um, service is really is free and really very. Um, uh, sufficient, I think. I've used it for a number of years, and um, it uh, it works pretty well. And you've also got uh, a um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, a service you can go in on on their website and set up your your rules and um, all of the uh, filters that you want to uh, provide or want to uh, allocate to your particular home. And your web browsing, so uh, they kind of have a dashboard there uh, on their website that you can set all that stuff up, and all that's free. So um, it's it's a good service. Um, any of you guys uh, familiar with that? Have y'all ever used that, Rick? Or you you know anything or used OpenDNS much? Yeah, I'll install it on um, like like they have a service called Family Shield uh, that's free, and you can install that on any home router. Um, so I'll, I'll do that. I've got that running on on my own server, you know, just as an extra precaution. But it's right. it's it's super easy uh, to install. So I I really like it. Yeah, yeah. And that uh, Family Shield product I think is pre-configured with um, you know, certain filters. Uh, you don't even have to set up anything. It's already got kind of a standard set of um, rules uh, set up for you to block um, questionable yeah. content mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. So. So that's a help. The um, but on top of that, so that's been out there for for a, a number of years. But uh, like I was saying, this umbrella 
uh, product is brand new, uh, introduced in November of 2012, I believe. And Do you think? Uh, did you see anything um, where Umbrella was available for individuals? Well, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it is available for individuals, and it's basically what they say is that, that you that consumers can purchase single user subscriptions. Now, I don't think that's their their target mm-hmm. uh, market, but you can do that apparently, and um, you know that's that's not a problem. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll get into the the pricing information in a minute, but it is more geared towards um, businesses and educational institutions and larger organizations um, for for a number of reasons. I guess um, they they figure uh, there's going to be more opportunities there as well as uh, management wanting to. Uh, manage and maintain um, control over the devices that they've uh, you know given out to workers or to staff and faculty and that type of thing. But I did want to um, kind of focus on their educational um, uh, approach and and what they are gearing towards in the educational market and um, primarily what they say there is you know for blocking uh, content on uh, their just stationary computers and classrooms and, and labs, and of course that's that's pretty obvious. But also um, to secure the network accessed by the students, faculty, and guests, um, as well as a, a all-encompassing protection for uh, one-to-one programs. Um, so so this product is something that can be loaded on uh, tablets and iPhones and and really. Um, any de- pretty much any device. I think they're gearing this towards uh, the the bring your own device uh, approach as well. So um, you know, and it, it gives them visibility or gives the the institution visibility and control over how the school and the students uh, are using the internet. I think it gives them a lot of reporting uh, capabilities um, as well as just where the devices are and. Uh, and it also meets uh, what they say CIPA compliance. You, I didn't, I didn't know what that acronym meant, but I bet you do, Barrett. You know what CIPA compliance is referring to? No, uh, I've used it. I've referred to it multiple times, but for the life of me, I can't recall what the acronym stands for. Okay. Well, it must be something important. It looks important anyway. So, um, whatever that means, whatever <laughs> it looks that impressive, means, right? Yeah, whatever that means, they've. Uh, They've got that covered apparently. So, um, you know, so so for um, for for the uh, nomadic devices as they refer to uh, the iPhones and tablets, um, I think what you do is you uh, install a file that uh, directs iOS to connect to OpenDNS, the OpenDNS global network, through a secure VPN channel. So so they're loading a program on the device that is basically pointing all of the internet traffic from that device uh, through OpenDNS uh, via the VPN uh, that they're creating. So uh, as long as that's uh, installed in a manner that can't be tampered with, uh, I would think that would be a pretty good um, secure approach to uh, to trying to um, secure these devices. Uh, and then as I mentioned earlier, um, the, uh, the mobility umbrella mobility enables you to set security 
policies and generate reports for all the internet traffic uh, to and from the device. So that would include, you know, web browsing, emails, and any of the applications that would be uh, running on those devices. So um, that sounds like it's pretty pretty all inclusive, and it would be hard to uh, to tamper with that. So um, I'd love to uh, see it in action. I haven't really gotten my hands on it, but um, um, I would expect coming from a company like OpenDNS that it's uh, it's a pretty robust uh, service and um, something that is is very uh, timely right now, especially from the standpoint that there's really not a whole lot available um, for, especially for the iPhones and tablets. Um, you know, laptops you have a number of uh, of options available, but uh, they also provide this service for laptops as well. So yeah. you can cover. Hey, and everything. Bill, and by the way, uh, that uh, acronym, by the way, stands for the Children's Internet Protection Act. Oh, okay, that's a good thing. Then I'm sure that's uh, that's important. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so all right. Um, and then finally, as far as the uh, the cost is concerned, um, they say that there's four different versions uh, depending on what capabilities you're really needing to implement. But it starts at $20 per year per user, and then it goes up to $40 per year per user um, for the full featured package. And uh, I think you know for for volume, large volumes, there are discounts available. Uh, for volume uh, subscriptions, so um, and then apparently for for a a subscription, uh, say if I signed up, uh, I got a subscription, I could uh, use that one uh, subscription on my iPhone, on my tablet, on my laptop, any device that uh, that I own. So there's no limit on the number of uh, devices one user can use with a subscription. Um, and then, as I mentioned earlier, uh, they do offer a single-user subscription. Um, don't know exactly how that would work, but um, it might be something worth uh, worth looking into. So, I don't know. What, what are y'all's thoughts on that? Y'all think that's something that uh, would be of value, Rick? Do you think uh, that's something you could you could uh, work with, and, and the folks that you train might be of value for? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if that single user thing is pretty easy to install, which, you know, my my guess is that you would uh, download an app and then the app would install maybe a provisioning profile. Um, And if it's if it's that easy, then certainly I I think it'd be pretty easy to uh, deploy this, you know, for a family or something like that. Do you think it, Rick? You've got a lot of experience going into homes and helping. <clears throat> Do you think this is something that, if you had uh, carefully written instructions or a short YouTube video, or whatever, that most families could do on their own, or is it going to be a bit more complex than that? I ask because one of our objectives as a school is to help provide training and resources mm-hmm. to our parents that they can implement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it would be easy to do. Um, I'm the only thing that I have any remote experience with. Um, that installs a provisioning profile like this is is an app called um, Ovano or or something like that. But the the purpose of this app is is to limit the amount of um, data that your iPhone uses. And so you download the app, and then the app then installs a provisioning profile on your phone. And my guess is that profile 
just changes the DNS settings on the phone or something like that. Um, there's there's no way to really peek into it to, to check. Um, and so once that's installed, what they say is that they compress all of your your um, your data. So for example, if you go to a website has a, a picture on it, um, that picture will be scaled down a little bit, and and they say that you're not able to tell. Um, but anyway, my guess is that this umbrella um, uh, service would uh, have a similar installation process, uh, mm-hmm. and and if so, that'd be super super easy for for normal users to do, um, uh, either on their own or accompanied with a, a little manual or a YouTube video. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think that would be a a great idea, Barrett. Um, providing that, and I, I wonder even. Um, if it'd be worthwhile finding out what what kind of limitations there would be on uh, on the the scope of people, like if if students and parents would all be considered part of a uh, large group or corporation or whatever, it, that might be something that uh, we wouldn't want, want to really get into. But um, I wonder, if, you know, as far as volume discounts are concerned, if that's something that could be. Uh, well, it's conceivable that if we thought it was something, <clears throat> I, I would think we could recommend it with a good conscience, and uh, if we could work out something with them, maybe they'd give us some type of, I don't know, discount code that we could pass along to our parents that was only good for a certain period of time or yeah. any number of things. But it's, it's certainly worth pursuing uh, because we have a very, a very robust system for the iPads that we're distributing to our families. But most of their personally owned tablets and iPhones and probably computers at home are not well protected. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, this would just be another tool we can put in the toolbox and uh, find out a little bit more about it and and if it's something that would work uh, or potentially work, uh, you know, uh, give some instruction around it. And uh, it might be something of value that uh, we can pass on to those uh, parents so okay, well, I, I just added a to to do item in my Evernote project, so <laughs> okay. we got it. Great, great. Um, all right, well, I'm gonna uh, pass it over to Rick then. I think he's got uh, a, uh, a New Year's resolution he may want to uh, share with us about his social media interaction. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is this is something I've been trying out for for the last month or so, but. Um, you know, I've, I've tried to change the way that I use my iPad, my iPhone, and my computer um, because I, I think what I've tried to do is just load absolutely everything onto my iPhone, for example, because I, I really wanted it to be this, this Swiss Army knife. Um, so I had, you know, Twitter on it, um, Foursquare, Facebook, all that sort of stuff, um, you know, messaging, obviously, email, um you know everything really, uh, but you know I've I've got three kids and you know it's it's a almost five year old a, a new three year old and then a almost one year old and so they're they're at this really special cute adorable stage and you know I, I know that it's temporary and you know they they just do a lot of stuff and I really want to make sure that I'm present for this um, and recently we went to the McWayne Science Museum. And we were uh, playing around and, and whatnot. And, you know, I, I kind of pause, and I'm sure you guys have had this experience as well, where you, you pause in these environments and you look around. And all the, while all the kids are playing, the parents are glued to their smartphones. 
uh, or you know, I, I even saw one guy who was actually sitting on a bench with his laptop. And you know, a, a part of me just thought like that's that's really sad, and and I don't want to do that. You know, when when I'm taking my kids out on a Saturday afternoon or something, I want to make sure that I'm actually there and I'm present, um, and I'm not distracted with my phone. You know, another example of this I think is when I, I took my daughter out uh, to get ice cream. You know, a couple months ago when it was still warm out, and you know it was, it was a beautiful sunny day. She had pigtails in her hair. Um, this was this was the um, almost five year old, and she's got this. She's holding this massive ice cream cone that's almost the size of her head, and you know I, I took a picture of it, but I immediately wanted to post the picture to Instagram. Um, because I, you know, I wanted that feedback. I wanted people to, to sort of, you know, like it or put a comment on it or, or whatever. Um, but really what I was doing is I was sort of excusing myself, uh, from that, that special moment with my daughter. Um, and I, and I just felt really guilty about that. Um, like do, do those experiences resonate with you guys? Like, I, I don't know if you're as tethered to your phones as, as I am, but, um, does that sound kind of familiar well my kids when they eat an ice cream cone they devour it in about uh, 10 <laughs> seconds so it doesn't i don't so have you time to take a the picture moment while you can is that right bill <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm afraid they're past the little uh pigtail stage and um <laughs> yeah but i i uh i think i'm i'm uh too lazy to get caught up in uh twittering and instagramming every uh five minutes so i think you're probably uh, ahead of us in that regard, Rick. But um, I don't well, know. I, I don't know if, if "ahead" is the right word. Um, <laughs> it, and it reminds me of a a book that's sitting on my shelf. And what's what's funny is that I haven't opened it yet. Um, that's that's incredibly ironic. But the book is called uh, "The Dumbest Generation: Never Trust Anybody Under 30. And I feel like I'm completely guilty of this. Um, and and the whole I. I from the back of the book and why I bought it is because the whole premise is just that, you know, the, the 20-somethings are, and, and younger, are just totally engrossed in their phones and aren't used to uh, sustained learning and, um, you know, can't, can't necessarily carry on a, a prolonged conversation because most of their conversation is conducted within these, you know, very short you know, tweetable thoughts um, with with lots of abbreviations and emoji icons and you know things that aren't actually long sustained conversations. So I, I saw this infecting my own life, and I I had before I had attempted this actually about a year or so ago, um, but it didn't really stick. Um, and so I, I looked at an article that I wrote a year ago. I called it Bird Brain, um, sort of a, a play with Twitter and, you know, the effects of the brain. Um, but uh, so what I've done this this go around is I looked at my phone and I wrote down a list of just the essentials of what I use my phone for. And that is obviously to make phone calls, uh, to send uh, text messages to um, close friends and family, uh, and, and I put that designation on there because I don't I don't um, give my cell phone number out to clients. So that's I just don't text with clients. That's that's kind of a barrier that I'm, I feel pretty strongly about. Um, and then I use it for uh, quick searches, like with Google. I use it to play music and audio, uh, like podcasts in the car. Uh, and then I also use it as my GPS. 
So if it didn't fit under one of those five main categories, I just deleted it off my phone. And so what that meant was I removed uh, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, I removed Path from my phone, which was actually uh, one of the uh, app picks of, of the week uh, <laughs> a few weeks ago. Yeah. Um, Foursquare, uh, any sort of instant messaging apps, uh, all of that's off my phone. Uh, but also like a lot of the reading apps. So uh, I've, I've got an RSS reader on my phone, or I did. I took that off. I took Instapaper off my phone. Uh, and I took iBooks off my phone, Kindle, all that sort of you know news aggregating stuff, um, and then any any games, um, which you know that's probably not a surprise given what I just said. Um, but you know, like I was I was the type of person that if if I was sitting at a red light, I would reach for my phone and you know see what's new on Twitter or you know see if I have a text or something like that and. You know, once once the the light turned green, I'd throw the phone back on the seat next to me and then continue driving. You know, but if I was ever in line at a grocery store, you know, I'd pull out my phone or whatever. And you know, by taking these things off of my phone, I felt like I'm removing a lot of the noise in my life, and I'm actually able to introduce a little bit of boredom into my life. Which I, I think for us humans, boredom can actually be a good thing because that's the place where you reflect um, boredom is where you're sort of, um, you know, you, you get ideas for creativity and whatnot. And I think that's also why people are usually like they say they get their, their ideas in the shower because you're just, you know, scrubbing your hair or whatever. And so, you know, all these new ideas come. Um, so all those apps, what I did, because I also have an iPad, is I, I moved all of those apps to the iPad. So it's not like I'm I'm anti-Twitter or whatever. It's just they're now um, relegated to a specific device. Um, so, you know, I know when I reach for my iPad, this is leisure time. You know, this is actually time to, to hang out um, just to see what's going on on the web and, you know, chat with friends on the Internet or whatever. Um, and then the, the last thing that I've done on the, on the iPhone but also on the iPad is, you know, we talked about that do not disturb mode earlier. Um, that's that's actually one of my really favorite features, and and I just became a little bit more aggressive with that do not disturb mode. Um, I have it actually kick in at 5:30, um, which is usually right when I'm pulling into the driveway at home, and then it it stays um, activated until oh I, I forget I think it's like either 8:30 or maybe nine o'clock, and so that, what that means is that between those times. Uh, 5:30 p.m. all the way to until the morning. Um, I'm not going to see any notifications on my phone um, from anyone or any phone calls or whatever, unless it is uh, immediate family. So like my wife, uh, my siblings, or my parents. Um, so again, I, I think just sort of the the outcome of all of this is that I just feel as if my brain is is given a little bit extra room to breathe. Um, you know, it's kind of like that, uh, you know, like, um, well, I'm in grad school, I'm in seminary right now. And one of the things we talk about in sermon preparation is just inserting, um, pauses into your talks so that people have a moment to reflect upon what you just said like that. (laughs) Um, but you know, I just feel like my brain is given a little bit more time, um, to pause. And so I'm less distracted. I've got more time for reflection, um, and it, I don't know, it just, it just feels a little bit more, um, wholesome. So 
I wanted to share that with you all because, you know, I, I didn't know if, if that was stuff that you guys all talked about or maybe your your kids or, or your students or whatnot, but um, yeah. that's that's kind of where I'm coming from. No, I, I think that's uh, that's great uh, insight. And, you know, you're, you're coming at it from a little bit younger generation than myself and, and uh, Barrett, if you don't mind me saying that, Barrett. <laughs> We're both about the same. Well, you can just speak for yourself, there, Bill. <laughs> yeah, well, I know. <laughs> no, but, no uh, absolutely. <laughs> but I did want to say that I think uh, it's interesting that uh, Rick brought that up because I'm actually reading two books related to these issues uh, because we're trying to de- uh, develop a training discipleship program with all of our students, parents, and faculty uh, around uh, – sort of a theology of technology uh, in layman's terms. And there are two books that I'm reading in this. I've actually got three to read, two of which I'm reading right now. One's called Generation IY, Our Last Chance to Save uh, the Future uh, for Our Children, something to that effect. And then the other one, which I just finished, is The Next Story, Life and Faith After the Digital Explosion. Both are extremely good. But it's interesting, Rick, the first several chapters of the uh, IY generation outlines the very specific issues that you are bringing up. Neither book is anti-technology. What they're intending to do is make sure that we control the technology and it does not control us and that we have an appropriate good stewardship of life and of our resources. And and they're well-written and well-researched. I highly recommend them. Yeah, that sounds good, uh, Barrett. Uh, In fact, I'll uh, ask you if you wouldn't mind to add those to the show notes because I'm sure our listeners would like to – uh, make sure they they heard that right and and would be interested in seeing uh, those books as as I would as well. Um, and uh, you know another thing uh, just related back to the school and the the iPad deployment. And I know Barrett, y'all have been real um, diligent in keeping the number of apps uh, narrow in scope as what they cover for several reasons. Of course, one is it's going to be all geared towards uh, education and what they're using in the classroom. But at the same time, I think that sends a good message, uh, to the, the kids, the students using those that, um, you don't have to have the iPad just loaded down with something that's going to, uh, entertain them or amuse them or, uh, distract their attention, uh, every minute of the day. So, uh, you know, that's another thing I think we could probably, um, use as a talking point around uh, the deployment of those iPads is that there's a reason there's not a ton of uh, applications on there, and, and that's because they don't they don't need everything in the world, you know, so. Um, well, that that's right, and we're all prone, uh, I think, to the distraction. In fact, along the, the lines of what Bill was, uh, Rick was articulating, Bill, is that uh, when I sit down, I'm working on a book right now, and when I sit down to try to work on that book, the only way that I can do it uh, in a thoughtful, hopefully thorough manner is I have to close down my email system completely. I close down any notification. Basically, everything is closed down uh, so that I have no interruptions and no temptation to multitask and check emails uh, because I'm just as prone to that problem of distraction as probably anybody. And so you're right. That's one of the reasons why we've restricted the applications on the iPad so uh, so much is we want them to be focused on what they're attempting to learn and not other possible distractions. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, can I toss out a couple uh, suggestions on the Mac of how to address these sorts of issues? Absolutely. 
Um, so one of them is, uh, I, I believe there's an app out there called Concentrate, and its logo is like of a, an orange uh, sliced in half. So it's called Concentrate. And what this does is you, when you activate it, uh, it goes ahead and it shuts down uh, specific apps. So if you have Twitter open, it shuts that down. Um, you know, your emails, so on and so forth. Um, if you want, you can even just have it disconnect from Wi-Fi entirely. Uh, the other thing that it will do is it will block specific websites. Um, so, you know, Facebook, et cetera, you know, websites that maybe don't have a, a, a dedicated app running on your uh, on your um, Mac. Um, so that's Concentrate. The other one is an app called uh, – oh, and Concentrate, I forget how much it costs, but it's, it's not a free app. My guess – um, just off the top of my head, it's, it's it's probably around you know anywhere from five to fifteen bucks. Hey Rick, um, do you think they may have changed the name of that? Uh, I'm actually looking at the App Store right now as you're speaking, and uh, Concentrate is not showing in the App Store. Um, yeah, it's that's not going to be an app that's available in the App Store. Um, ah, it's, I see. Okay. Yeah, my guess is it, it probably in order to do all those tricky blockings and stuff, it's mm-hmm. it's probably doing some stuff that. Uh, would break the rules of uh, the App Store. And and I just did a Google search for it. Uh, if you do a search for Concentrate, uh, yeah, it, it. it should be one of the top hits, and it's actually $29. Bucks. Um, yeah. But they do have a, a 60-hour free trial. Um, I'm not I'm not sure how they would measure that. Um, probably have 60 hours of active use. Um, so uh, it's I, – I don't use that yet, Um you know what I've been focusing on the last couple or the last couple weeks are the iPad and iPhone, but you know I, I realize that the Mac is probably where I should spend my attention next. Um, partly because you know one of the new features of Mountain Lion is Notification Center, and so you know kind of like what you were saying, if you sit down to write a letter or something, even built into the Mac is this notification system. So every new email. Um, if you get a message or whatever, you're going to see these pop-ups constantly. Um, thankfully, Notification Center on the Mac also has a Do Not Disturb mode. Um, you can, when you're viewing Notification Center, you can uh, swipe up a little bit, and there's this on-off switch that you can toggle. Um, so anyway, the, the second app is one called Self Control, and uh, what Self Control does, you t- you activate this. And it, the logo for it is kind of creepy. It, it's like a skull and bones sort of thing. But uh, self-control, you activate it, and it blocks uh, specific websites uh, for a designated amount of time. And the only way to turn it off is to fully restart the computer. Um, so it's it does a very aggressive way of, of blocking this stuff. Because with Concentrate, the first one, you know, you could just go up to your menu bar and click it and turn it off. Um, but with self-control, it's like, you know, it drops this, you know, iron curtain across your computer. And um, I have used self-control a lot, you know, if it's if it's finals week or, you know, if I'm coming up uh, against this deadline and I just don't trust myself, um, I'll go ahead and turn on self-control, which is an ironic title, of course, um, and, you know, hopefully plug away at my, my computer or my paper a little bit more. Um, so hopefully those are a couple of resources on the Mac to, to help achieve these types of goals. Yeah, no, that's great. I appreciate that, Rick. I think it's uh, just kind of ironic that we're even having to, uh, you know, talk about these kind of subjects. Ten years ago, we wouldn't even have had to uh, to think about it. But with, um, 
you know, the technology and, and too much technology, just like you're saying, in uh, Mountain Line with some of the new features and the notification center and all that, um, you know, <laughs> it's just really a, a stumbling block if we're not careful. So, uh, you know, any little helps that we can get um, along those lines to help us focus and stay concentrated, that is, uh, that's good to have. So appreciate those tips. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah, and uh, again, if uh, Rick, I'll, I'll ask you if you'll uh, add those notes to the uh, the show notes. That'd be great. We'll incorporate that and uh, get that out on the website to go along with this this podcast. Sure so, thing. I'll be sure to do. All that. right, good. So with that, uh, let's kind of move quickly into our apps and followings section. Uh, we're starting to run a little bit long, so maybe we can just uh, touch on these real quick and pass on a couple of other. Uh, good ideas to our listeners. So, Barrett, you got some uh, apps and picks for us this week? Sure. Just real quickly, <clears throat> keeping the theme of Evernote, uh, Evernote has two other uh, free products which are uh, helpful and fun. One is called Evernote Food, and uh, it is a beautiful app that combines your own recipe book, the ability to clip and save recipes in it, a restaurant guide, uh, and a number of other features to it. It's beautifully designed for your iOS devices, and so those who like to go eat or cook food, uh, they might find that a great and fun uh, application that kind of goes along with our discussion of Evernote. And then another Evernote product is called Evernote Hello. Uh, I don't know about uh, our listeners, but I, for one, have a very hard time remembering names, and Evernote Hello is designed to help you capture a photo and uh, key information about a contact and uh, so that you can remember who that person was uh, in the future. As far as the Twitter pick, uh, I would recommend uh, uh, Edutopia, that's E-D-U-T-O-P-I-A, uh, which is uh, at Edutopia. Uh, they have about 134,000 followers, uh, and they focus on inspiration and information for what works specifically in education. So it's both technology-focused as well as more generically focused on education. So that would be my Twitter pick for this evening. Okay, good, good. Uh, I had a couple um, just kind of going along with the uh, the Christmas theme or the holidays. Uh, my app pick, one of my app picks is called Fooducate. That's F-O-O-D-U-C-A-T-E. And that's if uh, you might have eaten a little bit too much over the holidays and uh, think you might need to lose a few pounds or uh, something along those lines. Um, this little app is kind of uh, neat because you can enter information. You can actually scan uh, barcodes off of uh, products and food that, that uh, you may eat regularly, and it will give you a good rundown on uh, the healthiness or lack thereof of that product, as well as a lot of uh, information related to calories and uh, some other products uh, in that same food group that may be better for you. And it's just kind of a good... Um, a resource to kind of help you get a little handle on uh, what you're eating and if there's some improvements that could be made there. So it's kind of a fun little application that uh, you may find useful as uh, you're trying to uh, recuperate from the holidays and all the, the parties that you may have uh, overindulged at. And then um, the other one I was going to mention is called Wallpapers HD, and that's just a real simple little app that... Uh, if you've gotten a new iPhone or iPad and want to dress it up with um, some slick wallpapers, uh, that uh, the background pictures, uh, this application has just a whole ton of uh, 
of options and pictures real real nicely done and uh, you may find that of value if you uh, are getting tired of looking at uh, the uh, pre-packaged standard wallpapers that come with your device so um, that's what I would recommend from an app standpoint this week and then my Twitter pick is uh, Pando Daily P-A-N-D-O Daily and um, that is just a site they call themselves the site of record for Silicon Valley and uh Silicon Valley they um uh just have a lot of uh good information regarding uh startup information as well as uh technology um, related type info and uh you may find that of interest to you and it's fairly new i think it's uh, only been out there for about two or three months and uh the name is kind of interesting i'm not going to go into the uh the reason they call it Pando Daily, but if you go to their website, you can uh, get a little uh, background on that particular name. And uh, I think it's uh, of interest uh, if you have any question about why in the world they named it uh, that way. So check that out. I think uh, you might uh, find some, some good information there. Um, Rick, what do you got for us tonight? Well, uh, I don't have a Twitter pick for today, uh, just kind of keeping in line with my uh, regulating Twitter. Um, I'm okay. totally kidding. That's, that's a joke. <laughs> but, um, my app pick is an app called Instacast, and I just thought this would be appropriate for um, today because this is a podcast. Uh, but Instacast is a podcast catcher uh, for the Mac – I'm sorry, not for the Mac, for the uh, iPhone and iPad. Uh, they just came out with a new version. It's it's now universal, so you buy it once and it installs on both of your devices. And it keeps your subscriptions in sync um, between your iPhone and iPad, um, any bookmarks that you've made. Um, but what I really like about Instacast is you can make playlists with it. Um, I subscribe to a handful of podcasts, and uh, some of them are related to technology. Some of them are related to um, religious studies, and then some of them are just, you know, two guys making jokes about whatever, you know, is new or whatever. Um, so I like that I can make playlists with these things, and then it automatically cleans itself up, um, and, um, you know, that sort of stuff. Um, I'm not, you know, you can also download the free um, podcast app straight from Apple. Um, I just found that to be a, a little limiting um, because of the amount of podcasts I listen to. I wanted something that could help me organize them a little bit more, and I think that uh, Instacast uh, does the job pretty well. Okay, great. Appreciate that. Well, I think it's about time to wrap it up for tonight. So um, as we close down things, I was going to just uh, give a shout-out to Nick Jones. He sent us a, uh email this past week that said he had been uh, listening in and loving it. So um, any comments or feedback or even suggestions that you may have, um, feel free to send them in to us uh, either via Twitter or our email or the website um, that this uh, podcast is on. And we'd love to uh, see your comments. And um, in uh, going along with that, uh, you can find me, Bill Brazil, at uh, Twitter. And I am just uh, Bill Brazil, B-I-L-L-B-R-A-Z-E-A-L. And uh, my website is BillBrazil.com. And uh, that is where you can find a copy of this podcast as well uh, as other um, podcast applications 
where you might be listening to it now. So uh, that's where you can find me. And Barrett, where where can we find you out on the internet? Well, my Twitter would be <clears throat> the at sign and B Mossbacker, which is B M O S B A C K E R. So that's at sign B M O S B A C K E R. All right. And what about you, Rick? Uh, my Twitter name is STWRZ. Uh, that's my last name without the vowels. Uh, again, that's STWRZ. And my website is the Mac Instructor. Um, the Mac Instructor, all one word, dot com. Okay. Great. Well, I appreciate you guys tonight. I think we had a pretty good uh, discussion on a number of different issues. So hopefully, all of our uh, listeners. Um, uh, have gotten something out of this as well. So we thank you for listening in. And as always, be sure to tell your friends about us, and we'll try to add to our numbers. And um, watch for our next episode coming in a couple of weeks. So with that, I will just say so long for now, and we will see you next time. <laughs>